one of the greatest presidents in American history, Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week. We're part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. I'm thrilled that you've decided to join me again this week. And I wanted to take a second to let you know that you can support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Michael Kent and signing up there. You can join at all different levels starting at only a dollar a month. That's almost free. And what that gets you is access to any projects I'm doing before I release them to anyone else. It also allows you to listen to every episode without ads, see the video Zoom calls with my weekly guests, and it gives you exclusive access to 65 episodes of Joke Story Trick, which is only available on Patreon. Again, it's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. And when you sign up there, it shows your support of this podcast. So thank you to everyone who has already joined up. Now, this week's topic is a fun one about wrestling, and it comes to us from professional wrestling superfan, Joe. Michael Kent, Joseph Moore here of Affirmative Distraction and the Conspiracy Band. Listen, none of that's important. Uh, somebody told me that Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, old Abe, invented the choke slam wrestling move. What? What? I don't know. I don't. I don't blame it. I don't believe it. Could you do an episode on that and then get back to me? Have my people call your people and uh, we'll do lunch. Of course, I'm too busy for lunch, so it'll just be you and my people. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you, Joseph. Now, I knew Abraham Lincoln defeated the Confederacy and hunted vampires, but I never knew he invented any wrestling moves. Let's take a look. The choke slam is a move in professional wrestling where one person grabs the throat of another person, lifts them into the air, and then slams them to the ground. Undertaker with Shane! Shane gonna go for the ride! Choke slam! The choke slam with a massive throw! Oh, the choke slam! The choke slam! Straight to hell! In professional wrestling, this is accomplished by grabbing the defender at the top of the chest, just under the jaw. The defender grabs the attacker's arm, and then the attacker will put the defender's right arm over his shoulder, and then he'll usually grab the waist or the back to help support the weight as it lifts the defender into the air. The defender then falls and straightens out at the last minute to help spread out the impact of the fall. Now that's a very simplified and summarized version of the move, and you definitely should not try it unless you've had a professional teach you the proper way to do it. If you don't know the ins and outs of these wrestling moves, you could get seriously hurt. So in case I have to say it, a choke slam doesn't involve actual real-life choking, but it's a popular finishing move for wrestlers like The Undertaker, Kane, The Big Show, and more. They'll sometimes make it even more exciting by slamming their opponent out of the ring and through tables, or from inside the ring to outside on the floor, and there are like 10 variations on the move, each with their own specific name based on the positions and whatnot, but we don't need to get into that. What's important is that it's a move so popular, even non-wrestling fans know what it is. If I say choke slam, you have a basic idea of what I'm talking about. You'll only see it in professional wrestling, or I guess, or backyard brawls. It's not technically legal in UFC or MMA fighting because you can't grasp the throat. You could maybe do a version of it if you could execute some sort of legal hold around someone's neck first, but it's not a really useful move in those sports anyway. It's mostly just for show. So let's talk about where it came from. In professional wrestling, there's this claim that it was first performed by the wrestler 911 in the mid-1990s and was invented by his promoter-slash-manager Paul Heyman. 
and we know that 911 frequently used it as a finishing move, even choke slamming a referee in one match. But I did a lot of searching, and it seems it's pretty clear that neither Paul Heyman nor 911 brought the choke slam to professional wrestling. The earliest I can find is from a Japanese wrestler, Akira Tawe, who wrestled starting in the late 80s. His popular finishing move was the choke slam. If you don't speak Japanese, just trust me, that was a video of Akira Tawe choke slamming a dude. But the move itself, not just the professional wrestling move, the move itself has an origin much older than the 1980s. I'm sure there were hundreds of street fights where people used the move, but for the purpose of this story, we're looking for the first time it was actually described in print, the first time we can prove someone choke slammed someone else. And it goes all the way back to the summer of 1831 and a lanky six foot four general store employee in Illinois. We'll talk about that after a quick break. Everything is impermanent. Nothing lasts forever. And if you wanna enjoy life, you've gotta take a leap and live in the moment. One Week Tees is a new t-shirt company that takes that idea to heart. Every week they release a fun new design on a t-shirt, then they permanently retire it after one week. If you don't jump on it, you miss out on it forever. So in effect, every t-shirt they sell is limited edition. At noon every Monday, the new design gets released and the old one goes away. It's a pretty great idea, especially if you want to have a shirt that you can almost guarantee no one else will have. Check out One Week Tees on Facebook and Instagram to see their new design each week. It's the number one week tease. Or check out their website at oneweektees.com. And because you listen to this podcast, use the promo code INTERNET to get 10% off your order. The link is in the show notes. I've been traveling again lately, and that means I've been wearing my Scotty Vest jacket, which is awesome for anyone who sort of lives life on the go like I do. It's been awesome for traveling around because it's got tons of pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in, and I'm confident they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. To get 15% off your order, visit the link in the show notes. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. Let's get back to the story. If you go visit the National Wrestling Hall of Fame and Museum in Stillwater, Oklahoma, you'll find that Abraham Lincoln is immortalized there, honored with their Outstanding American Award. There's a display about Lincoln and other presidents who enjoyed wrestling and a large mural of Abraham Lincoln wrestling with a man named Armstrong. It's the very match that we're interested in. 
There are so many legends and tall tales about Lincoln's wrestling career, it's hard to separate fact from fiction. We know that he enjoyed the sport and was known for his wrestling ability as a young man. One of the legends is that he wrestled 300 men and was only beaten once. Of course, in the rough and tumble prairie of Lincoln's youth, wrestling wasn't so much an organized sport as it was just sort of fighting. There are a few of Lincoln's bouts that are well documented. In the recollected works of Abraham Lincoln by Don and Virginia Fehrenbacher, Lincoln tells a story on the campaign trail about his wrestling days. In 1860, he told a college professor named Risden Moore that he was undefeated until he was thrown twice by a man named Lorenzo Dow Thompson, a man who, according to Lincoln, could throw a grizzly bear. Another one of the well-documented matches is the one with a man named Jack Armstrong. Armstrong was the young leader of a group of tough guys. Now, I don't know if you'd call them a gang, but they were a group of ruffians that lived in the next settlement over from where a 22-year-old Abe Lincoln worked in a general store. Lincoln was in New Salem, Illinois, and these guys were from Clary's Grove. The Clary's Grove boys would come into New Salem to drink, gossip, trade, and play. The store owner where Lincoln worked, Denton Offit, used to brag on how tough Abraham was. He would claim that the six foot four Lincoln was faster and tougher than any man around. Well, Bill Clary, whose family founded Clary's Grove, didn't believe him. He bet Denton Offit $10 that Lincoln couldn't beat Jack Armstrong in a wrestling match. When Lincoln reluctantly agreed, a whole crowd of people gathered in front of the general store in New Salem. Now, there are differing accounts here on what happened. Some say Armstrong won, others say Lincoln won. But what we know for sure is that someone cheated and the match got ugly. It's thought that maybe Armstrong attempted to foul Lincoln with some sort of dirty move and Lincoln got mad. Abe grabbed Armstrong by the throat, lifted him off the ground with his enormous height, and shook him out like a wet rag before dropping him to the ground. From there, it sounds like the rest of the Clary's Grove boys jumped on Lincoln, beating and kicking him as he laughed. I have to say, picturing this now, it kind of makes Lincoln sound like a psychopath. In any case, what we know is that Lincoln and Armstrong ended the match by shaking hands and being friendly. And believe it or not, this match gained Lincoln entry with the group of boys and made him welcome anywhere in town. Later, Armstrong called Lincoln, quote, the best fellow who ever broke into camp. Lincoln later became great friends with Armstrong and his wife. After the passing of Jack Armstrong, their son Duff was arrested for murder. Lincoln represented him. He taught Duff how to read while in prison, and Duff Armstrong's defense became Lincoln's most well-known court case. The eyewitness described seeing Armstrong murder a man named James Metzger one night by the light of the full moon. When it was Lincoln's turn to cross-examine the witness, he proved with an almanac that there was no full moon that night. Duff Armstrong was found not guilty. Despite his client being found not guilty, do you know who is guilty? Abraham Lincoln, of officially being the first recorded account of chokeslamming a dude during a wrestling match. So yes, the internet says it's true. And while he never jumped off a turnbuckle or donned a championship belt, Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator and the 16th president of these United States, officially invented the choke slam. Choke slam! The choke slam! With a massive choke slam! The choke slam! Well, now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Nuv Preet Singh. I met Nuv when he was a college student who was on the board that brought acts like me to NYIT, but I was always really impressed with Nuv because he is also an incredible poet something which he continues to this day. His TikTok account is very popular, and I'll just let him introduce himself through one of his videos there. 
Hi, my name is Navpreet Singh. I go by Nav. It rhymes with love. I'm a spoken word artist that travels and performs, sharing my art, stories, and experiences to break barriers and build bridges. I also accomplish this through my social media platforms. I share my poetry, analyze and discuss media with a focus on representation, address bias and discrimination, and lastly, I educate about my Sikh faith. Sikhi, known as Sikhism, was founded in the 1500s. Sikhs believe in one divine creator and the oneness of the universe. Key tenets are equality for everyone, selfless service, and fighting against bigotry, oppression, and injustice, striving for sarvadapala, or the well-being of all, which are principles I seek to embody in my daily life. Much love to you all. It is so good to see you. It's been a while since we hung out. Hey, man, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very well. I, uh, I'm just, you know, hanging out at home for the weekend. This podcast in particular is about professional wrestling. And um, I thought, for some reason, I had it stored in the back of my head that you are a big professional wrestling fan. And yeah. I, I think we may, may have once upon a time had a conversation about this. Um, but that's not why I chose you to be on this week, because I never match the guests to the topic. I always mm -hmm. just like having interesting people to talk to. And you are an interesting person. I know you because your um, your board brought me or brought me to NYIT way back yep. when, when you were a college student. And yeah. I've stayed in contact because I've just been super impressed with with you as a person, um, both for your your spoken word performance art and just being a cool dude. Um, so <laughs> it's you. it's been fun to see you sort of also really excelling online um, with your content on TikTok. Um, you answer a lot of questions about the Sikh faith, um, yep. the, you know, the different questions that random people have that don't know anything about Sikh and what that means and Sikhism and is Sikhism correct? Yeah. Sikhism okay. will be the, like the term, but as a follower, I am a Sikh. You are so, like, a Sikh. Christianity, okay. Christian, you know, like that. Yeah. And that in and of itself is like one thing I never knew because, um, I always pronounced it Sikh. I think right, that like a lot yeah. of people do until I saw your videos. Um, mm -hmm. I never knew anything about your turban. Um, and you've explained a lot about that, which is super cool. And I really just enjoy, you know, if you want to learn about sick, go to, what is your TikTok? Uh, Nuv the Poet. N-A-V-T-H-E-P-O-E-T, -E -E Nuv the Poet on TikTok. And, you know, it's a really great uh, form for that because it's like, you know, 60 seconds at a time. You can learn all about this stuff, which is, which is really um, interesting to me. So uh, let's get into it. I have stakes for each one of these. Now, the first four questions are multiple choice okay. and for this one here's our stakes we're playing for a joke okay so i know you're not a comedian um but uh everyone's got jokes so we're playing for jokes so if you get it right i have to tell you a joke but if you get it wrong you have to tell me a joke okay here's the question here's question number one in professional wrestling the choke slam is a move in which a wrestler grabs the neck of another res wrestler lifts them off the ground and slams them down what historical figure is credited with inventing the choke slam, was it A. Pee Wee Herman, B. Abraham Lincoln, or C. The Big Show? This is a really interesting question. It is. It's a really interesting episode. <laughs> um, wow, I don't have a clue. So I'm just thank God it's multiple choice. <laughs> at least I have some and, semblance. And thank God, like none of this matters. This is all just yeah, for fun. <laughs> I know, but. We want to be right. Like, I think that's yeah, a human right. nature thing. Sure. Um, I'm going to say, let's see the big show. The answer is B. Abraham Lincoln, believe it or not, invented 
the choke slam. Uh, it was way back in the uh, in 1831, <laughs> and there are okay. there are multiple records of a particular fight he got in. Now his wasn't professional wrestling; it was actual wrestling, like as in let's settle a dispute by wrestling. Right. Um, but he choke slammed a dude, and everyone right. knew about it. So uh, yeah, do you have a good joke? I don't know if it's good, but I actually love really corny jokes. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so I, I've made some myself. <laughs> okay, perfect. Why did the Jedi think he would never get married? Why did the Jedi think he would never get married? I don't know. Because he had been solo for so long. <laughs> That's actually really good. On, that is on two different levels. It's so good. That is a fantastic joke. You have redeemed yourself from losing the first question. <laughs> Um, <laughs> now are you still doing uh any poetry lately i think i asked you this the other day are you still outperforming at all so i actually just went to dc last week to do a performance at this uh interfaith event um obviously with the pandemic haven't been able to travel and perform too much i've done a couple mm -hmm. of virtual performances but as i'm sure you know audience is like without an audience it's never the same thing um especially for your act, I imagine it's even more than mine because people can be silent during mine and that's kind of okay, but you need the the, the laughs and the response. Makes, yeah, it makes a difference. I would think yeah. that virtual poetry would be difficult. I, I think that even then, like, I know that you feed off of audience members nodding their head and snapping and like, you know, seeing that they're listening. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it's huge. And, and when you do a virtual show, a lot of people keep their cameras off. Yeah. Uh, and it makes it really tough because you feel like you're just performing for a computer, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, I think actually creating content has kind of helped me with doing that though. Cause yeah. I make videos performing my poetry just to a camera. So it's, you know, it still isn't the same as an audience, like in front of people, but it has helped me to just handle like, okay, this, I'm doing the same thing that I've done on my TikTok videos. So now what is it like? After you perform a, or after you write a piece mm -hmm. and you say it for the first time on stage, what does that feel like? It's strange, actually, because no matter how much I practice it at home and, you know, how much I've looked at it on paper to actually perform it and then get audience reactions and responses in real time. Like, it's not just people coming up to me after the poem. It's seeing people's reactions. They're nodding, clapping, whatever you get. And so my brain then is processing the parts that hit, the parts that maybe didn't, or where, yeah. maybe where I need to change my delivery of it. So, and I don't know if that's the same for other performers, but I, in real time, as I'm performing, am analyzing my own performance. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but the first time in particular, I don't know how it's going to go. Maybe, not that I ever think people are going to hate it, but it might not get the response that I'm thinking. Like, sometimes I go, oh, this poem it's 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 a banger like this is just gonna kill the audience and then it's like a lukewarm reception but i have to also be attentive every audience is different sure uh you know maybe it's just the mood that night maybe my own mood could affect it you know so the first time is is a really strange surreal experience walking off stage after i performed a poem for like the first time yeah i imagine sometimes there are parts of the poem that surprise you with doing uh, you know, you didn't expect that part to get a reaction. You thought this other part was going to get a reaction. I, I yeah. know as as a performance artist, artist myself, that's like a, a really nice surprise when that happens. Um, yeah. And then there are parts that you think is going to be amazing and then just sort of falls flat and you have to figure out why, Yeah, uh, which is why and it's good to record. Sometimes everything. I do incorporate or attempt to be humorous in my mm -hmm. poetry. And so seeing if that lands or not is interesting because 
it's so it's a different art form so maybe people sure. aren't anticipating laughing so they're like hesitant to laugh as well if you make a comment or you, in my poem i write something that i'm like this is supposed to be humorous like you're it's okay to laugh but i sure. think people have that perception like oh it's a poem so i'm supposed to sit and wait and respond appropriately yeah you have to sort of you have to sort of deconstruct that preconceived thing that they walk in with uh, mm-hmm. and, and say like, you know, this is supposed to be really deep. Is that thing that he said funny? Am I allowed to laugh at it? Or is he saying it funny for impact of the next thing he's going to say? Right. Absolutely, man. Well, that's fantastic. Really cool to learn about. Uh, now let's, let's move on with the quiz for this next question. We're playing for an admission of something we do well. Uh, and so, and I mean something other than poetry. So, okay. uh, so if you get this one, right, you've got to tell us, uh, if you get it right, I've got to tell you something you're good. If you get it wrong, I'll tell uh, you'll tell me. Okay. The single arm choke that precedes a choke slam is known colloquially as what term in the wrestling world? Okay. So the word just for the choke has its own word. Is it A, bamboozle, B, goozle, or C, floozle? Doesn't this sound like some Dr. Seuss stuff? It's either bamboozle, goozle, or floozle. I'm going to go with... Huh. I'm going to say B, Goozle. You are correct. It's Goozle. According to a wrestling blog that goes by the name Goozle, a Goozle is an old slang term referring to the throat. So in wrestling parlance, a Goozle, a goozle is a choking maneuver with the palm of the hand, whether it's to set up a choke slam, to choke a guy in the corner, or to be Meng and put Doug Dillinger in a world of hurt. I don't know who those people are. I just read that. <laughs> Yo, that's amazing. I don't know who those you you get that, but I don't get that. Uh, that's just what I got from the blog. So, so what's funny is this tells you how much wrestling I watch. I didn't know the term goozle. Yeah. But I watched this guy who does reviews of pay-per-views and he had used that word a <laughs> bunch of times. And so I didn't know what it meant. I just thought it was like, you know, something else. I thought it was like he tricks the guy or something. Right. right. But I was like, OK, that that must be because he did. A, he used it when he was <laughs> doing a review of a cane match. Right, the, the wrestler Kane. Kane, yeah. Like, well, Kane grabs people by the throat through his choke slam. So that, that was makes my. Sense. That's amazing. That's how much like, wrestling content I consume. That's great. Your wrestling content really came in handy for that one. Uh, and I've got to tell you something I'm good at, which, uh, if you know me, I am a, someone who imposter syndrome is like a daily thing for me. Really difficult for me uh, to do this, and that's why I put this in there because it's a great exercise for everyone to be able to give mm-hmm. give give yourself credit. Um, I'm gonna say this week. I'm I'm saying. I'm really good at connecting my thoughts with written word. Um, not mm. not like you in, in an artistic, like poetry type, but just writing my ideas in a way that makes sense. I'm good at connecting those things. So whether it's writing one of these episodes or writing down my feelings in a journal, um, I'm able to complete that connection really mm. well. So I'm going to give myself credit for that today. This yeah, is this I, is I, the I, Internet I, Says It's True, your self-help podcast. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I recognize that the the way this has flowed so far, I'm, I'm I was like, whoa, this is a really just like smooth flowing. And maybe part of it's because whatever, I don't care now at this point, I'm planning to do my own podcast. So maybe I'm being a little more analytical of other sure. posts to understand it because I don't know how to do that. Well, one thing that's that's really helpful is doing it. This is uh, episode 88. And so mm. having done it for um, close to two years now you become more comfortable just talking to a microphone with, with the format of your show, you know, what works and what doesn't work and there's less guesswork. So, um, and just like performing poetry, just like doing a magic show, 
that makes it look like you start on expert level when you really don't. If you go back and listen to the first few episodes of this show, the first 25 episodes, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, it wasn't until episode 26 that I really kind of started coming into the format of the Internet Says It's True. So I appreciate Mm. the compliment, though. Uh, Now, your TikTok account I want to talk about briefly because you not only you're a very, very positive person, but you also get like uh, like haters. You get like people who are negative because they don't either they don't know about uh, your faith or they are purposefully just being negative because they're anonymous and they can. How do you deal with that? Do you ever internalize that away from the platform of this social media website? I wouldn't say I internalize it. I do. Sometimes it does get to me. And sometimes I end up making, uh, not recording myself, but I make draft videos out loud. And I'm just, I'm just shouting, I'm just yelling, I'm just calling these people, you know, derogatory terms, right. just to kind of just get it out. Sure. Um, and then I, I process that and go, okay, how can I actually address this in a way that is both productive for me and beneficial to my audience and not that, I don't necessarily care to respond to that individual if I can kind of sense they're being intentionally negative. You know, some people, like you said, don't know. And so I'll respond and just say, hey, you know, maybe... Uh, explain it a little bit and they actually will comment oh okay thank you i didn't realize my apologies sure but there are people you can tell based on comments usually they don't care to learn so right usually my content is made in response to help those who are willing to listen um and that's that also helps me kind of stay focused and stay positive because at the end of the day i have that that purpose that mission that goal of you know helping people understand that want to understand. I I know I can't change minds. I know I can't remove all the hate in the world. So that's not my focus. Um, And I'm just one person. But what I can do, as I've been able to just discover through TikTok, is that I can help people who want to learn more, learn. And that's, you know, that's where I put my energy into. And putting it in that perspective lets me go, okay, I'm a little annoyed by this comment, but what can I do with it? How can I make the most of this and turn it into a teaching moment? Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we're going to keep moving with question three. And for this one, we're going to talk about uh, jobs. So okay. for this question, the stakes are this. We're playing for a coveted, the internet says it's true sticker. Okay. This, If you get it right, you get a sticker. Abraham Lincoln did a variety of jobs before he was president. Which one of these, and only one of these, was an actual job held by Honest Abe. A, he was a liquor salesman. B, he was a cobbler. Or C, a typist. I'm going to go with liquor salesman, A. Liquor salesman. Is there a reason that you went with liquor salesman? I don't have an exact reason. I just uh, I don't know. I don't know Abe, obviously, so I can't base anything off of my lack of knowledge from it. But something about the idea of being a typist was, I don't know, Strange and also a cobbler. Sure. So. so cobbler is something that I just uh, wrote down. He, he was never a cobbler. Um, and typewriters did not exist during Abraham Lincoln's life. So A, he was thought. a liquor salesman. You are correct. Uh, Lincoln and William F. Berry co-owned the Berry and Lincoln General Store. And in 1833, they were issued a liquor license for $7. I did see like quite a few places online said, oh, Lincoln was a bartender. But he wasn't really a bartender. He, it's probably more accurate to just say he was a liquor salesman because he did 
they, you know, he didn't own an establishment where people went to drink. They just bought their their booze right. um, for a very short time. They were not very good businessmen, Barry and Lincoln. Yeah. But so, it would be pretty great to have a bar called Barry and Lincoln, especially <laughs> in Illinois. I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Nev? I was going to say, because you asked me what made me... So, see, I was pretty sure was not a thing at the time, but I also didn't want to sound unintelligent and say <laughs> oh because i don't think typewriters were around at that time right so i just reserved my answer for nothing <laughs> that's good enough i have man. A, a discomfort with the revealing lack of intelligence <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's something you're good at if you would have missed that other one you could have said that one you're, you're good at uh having noticing discomfort about revealing lack of intelligence but honestly you know when i choose these questions these are a way for me to add additional info, just fun info at the end of every episode. And mm. usually they're things that no one would know, uh, right. no matter how big of a wrestling fan you are. And so for this next question, for question four, and you're doing well, you're one for three or two for three, excuse me, you're two for three for question four. If you get it wrong, you have to tell us about one of your favorite websites. If you get it right, I'll tell you about one of mine. Which one of these is considered the largest professional wrestling event in history. Was it A, the LA Massacre, a three-day event at the Staples Center in 2003? B, the island happening at Exuma in the Bahamas in 2017? Or C, collision in Korea, an event in North Korea in 1995? I'm going to say C, collision in North Korea. You would be correct, Nav. You got it right. Collision in Korea. It was That's the correct answer. And it was a joint event put on by WCW and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Took mm. place in Mayday Stadium in Pyongyang, North Korea, bringing in over 300,000 people over two days. Uh, now, with that said, many reports state that a majority of those who attended were forced to attend by the North Korean government. <laughs> so, And I threw in the island happening at Exuma in Bahamas in 2017 because I wanted to see... If any of the listeners uh, caught on to that, that was my reference to the Fire Festival. Uh, mm. That was the island in the Bahamas where the Fire Festival happened in 2017. So, uh, yeah, no yeah. wrestling event there. There was no water. Yeah. So, again, it's, I mean, my guess was based off of some consumption of wrestling interviews. And I've heard wrestlers talk about how absolutely insane the fans in Korea are. Wow. And so I was like, I'm just going to, that sounds like it would make sense. That would be a big event there because they're just apparently really wild. So it's pretty great. You know, uh, the only time I've ever hung out with professional wrestlers was in Korea. Um, believe mm. it or not. And I was just doing a tour for the, for the army, for the U S army. And so were they, and there was a group of, uh, half a dozen wrestlers and some of them are, are good friends of mine now, you know, Dick, oh, wow. Nick, Nick Dinsmore, um, who oh, wrestled nice. as, as Eugene, Eugene, a good friend. He's yeah. been on the show. Um, and, uh, I, I stay in touch with Eugene, but man, some of those guys I didn't know about at the time. And I've looked up after and were big deals like Raven, uh, was oh, on yeah. tour with us. And he's like one of the most decorated wrestlers in history, you know, um, yeah. Billy Gunn. He's one of the best. What's just that? Like over, just like character wise as a character, oh, yeah. he's Absolutely. like lauded as one of the best and, and loves magic. So he and I did a lot Ooh. of magic together. Uh, and nice. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, Billy Gunn was with us. Scotty too hottie. There were a lot of, wow. a lot of, uh, okay. yeah, <laughs> seven, names, seven thorn. I know. And these guys were just doing like, you know, um, performing on the same base as I was, but on different days. And we had a day off and we were able to go and attend one of their matches, which was mm. so much fun. 
So uh, was theirs just like some independent show? It was, yeah. It was okay. it, none of them were were I don't believe any of them were affiliated with like WWE at the time. Um right. some of them have been. I know Billy Gunn has gone back to sort of like, you know, the the show afterward. Yeah. Um uh some of them had just sort of come off of that. But yeah, it was just an independent I I think I see W I don't I don't I don't want to say okay. it wrong. It was some independent wrestling um federation. So um yeah, it was a it was a good time because in the evenings we would go out and like party with these guys. Nice. <laughs> and so I've got some amazing pictures, uh, you know, drinking in bars with with Eugene and Billy Gunn and stuff. So that's really cool. It was it was a good time. It was a good time. And and uh, so I've had a few wrestlers on the show. I had Doug Basham on um, oh, on wow. uh, Joke Story Trick not too long ago, who I met through Nick Dinsmore. So, nice. yeah, now you're you're doing well. You're three for four. And there's one more question left. And now this one is for all the marbles. So if you get okay. this wrong, I'm banning you from the show never to be asked on again. If you get it right, I would love to have you back on. Okay. Here's your question. What is something that you're excited about? I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but do like working on and releasing this podcast is something I'm really excited about because it's a it's a it's kind of a way to take what I do on TikTok and expand it. So it's a podcast where I talk with other six so that people who are interested in learning about the faith and the community really, because a lot of what I cover on TikTok is the principles and the beliefs. But in this way, while with having conversations with other six about how the faith plays a role into their life, people can really see the practical and more pragmatic, you know, aspect of the faith and how the community really applies those principles to what they do both personally and even in their professional lives. And so I'm really excited to give people that insight and that exploration. Now that's the right answer, by the way. Uh, so you'll get that one, right. But I have questions like I want to know is your purpose with the podcast to make people consider the sick faith or is it to explain for um, community what it is to answer questions that non-sick non-people of the people of not of the Sikh, Sikh faith have. Um, so like, I, I guess what I, I don't know if there's an evangelical proselytizing sort of um, part of that faith. Uh, no. So actually we don't believe in wanting to like getting people to convert at all. We okay. believe in sharing the teachings and the beliefs, but ultimately the aim isn't to make people follow or join. It's more of just providing this, what we see as wisdom that they can apply to their lives, hopefully. But the point of the podcast is really just to give a different perspective on the faith because the the people who follow me on TikTok or social media, really, I as far as I can tell, I'm like their only exposure to the faith. Probably are. And yeah. so giving them giving other people voices and allowing them to tell their story and how the faith applies to what they do. So like some of my friends that I'm interviewing or hope to interview are artists or they are, you know, working in different, you know, realms of society. Actually, the first episode, I interviewed my friend who joined the army and he actually went through a legal battle that went all the way up to the Supreme Court to be able to serve in the army with his articles of faith. Oh. So exploring those challenges and struggles and also triumphs because he eventually got the accommodations needed. Um, I think it gives people more of a, a tangible insight versus this is what we believe like we believe in equality for all but how does that really stem or like selfless service is another core tenet but how does that really 
factor into our lives? Like, what do we do that, that, uh, you know, really shows that idea of selfless service versus me just saying, yeah, I believe in selfless service, you know? Absolutely, man. I'm excited for your podcast. Do you have a name for it yet? Yeah, it's called Rooted in Sikhi. Rooted in Sikhi. So yeah, that's so um, is like the S-I-K-H-I? Yes. Okay, awesome. Uh, I will make sure that once you get that going, I will, um, I'll, I'll give it a mention. Let me know as soon as you get some episodes yeah. up. I'd be happy to to get some some ears on your your podcast. And I'm sure I'm interested because like I said, your TikTok is, is fascinating. I love it. And I love that you have built such a large audience of with this. Like you have fans with this that are, it's they're energized and they're excited. And I know that from my experience doing magic on TikTok, no one cares about the magic, but they care about the other stuff I do that feels more real. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you might have the same thing with your poetry. I don't know, but like, it seems like you do 100%. your poetry and you want, like, this is something you've spent hours on. And you want them to really respond, but they want to hear about, you know, why, why do you wear that on your head that way? And how do you wrap it? And what's, you know, what, what does your hair look like? And all they want to know, like the stuff that they don't get to ask. And yep. so I think a lot of people will be interested in the podcast. Uh, so that's absolutely, the man. Funny thing, actually, the reason I, ho- I started is because, uh, you know, the algorithm with TikTok and the For You page, it's you can appear on anybody's, you know, page. Sure. And so I thought to myself, oh, there's probably a lot of people seeing me that have questions, but are worried about offending me by right. asking those questions. So right. if I start talking about it and at the end say, feel free to ask your questions, I open that door and hopefully reduce that discomfort and yeah just the questions started flooding in so that's great um, i've often thought about doing that at the end of mine just saying if you have questions about the experience of a middle-aged white cisgender male um (laughs) it's a very strange experience in america feel free to ask yeah but all my followers are white cisgender males but but I, i totally agree that yes like i sometimes look at my videos of my poetry and i'm like why is this not a more views? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's I frustrating. So much time with this. Yeah. But you know, you just have to get out of your head with social media and just be like, Hey, what people like, they like, and yeah. you know, enjoy what you like as well. Like I like making videos about movies and those don't do well necessarily either, Right, right. but I like making them. So I'm going to keep making them. Sure. That uh, once again, that's Nav the poet N A V T H E P O E T on TikTok. Where else can people find out about you? Or if they want to see you perform your, your poems in full length, uh, yeah, so uh, TikTok and Instagram are the two main platforms I use. Uh, as I start to get more shows, hopefully this year, I post about it on primarily Instagram, actually, because that's the better place for news, I feel like yeah. TikTok, everything's just timeline wise, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, so um, yeah, Instagram is right now the place. Um, as I mentioned, this podcast will be on YouTube. It's a video podcast that I'll be releasing hopefully next month. That's the goal. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, YouTube is Nov Nov Nov. Actually, that's the name of my YouTube channel. Nov Nov um, Nov. It's all about me. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Nov the um, the educator, Nov the poet, and Nov the man. Yeah. There you go. You you should have like three faces. Mm. Uh, I don't oh, know. That'd be that's, a cool logo. Yeah. Nov <laughs> <laughs> Nov. All right, man. It's so good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for taking some time today. You too. Thank you for having me. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you for Joseph for the topic and to Navpreet Singh for being my guest. Here's a kid who's so small, he would be easy to choke slam. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. 
Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show was written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from Kevin McLeod. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. <laughs>